0: Fun crazy, not creepy crazy, on the Riley and Kimmy Show.
1: You may not find us on your TV because in case you did
2: not know, we're being brought to you on, brought to you on. And
3: that is where we are. We're on your uh, platform, device, whatever you're listening to us uh, on, you know, because we are mobile and global. We are the Riley and Kimmy Show. It's episode 413. I am your host, Patrick Riley. Right next to me is the traveling companion through space and time.
2: Kimmy, I got one name. Kimmy. A strange
4: woman who left her mark on all of us, who crossed
2: her path.
3: That's right. Don't want to cross Kimmy's path. Don't want to do that at all. Not at all. That's right. right. Yeah, and I don't want to do that. I want to stay on your good side. And on this episode, we have a couple shout-outs to do, and also we're going to do something that's going to be revolving around the world of the a little bitty award show that's coming around on Sunday, Kimmy. Oh, yeah? Yeah, just a little bitty award show. Okay. You know, what is that little bitty award uh, show called? Oscars? Uh, yeah, that's right. We're going to be talking about the Oscars and something that's associated with the Oscars as well. Um, in a big way and is actually about Hollywood. Now on episode 412, we did a old time radio tribute to a movie that went to radio, which is, yeah, I know it sounds kind of weird. A movie that eventually was done on radio, a radio production, but it wasn't. It was done very well. And that is Sunset Boulevard, which does revolve around the world of Hollywood. And it was actually sort of pulling the curtain behind Oz for a little bit, exposing Oz. Didn't it didn't, mm-hmm. at least it did to me. Uh, and it gives you a good feel of 1950s and even the late 40s of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And that, and what's interesting, when uh, if you do check this uh, film out, either via the radio version, which we have, which I think is fantastic with William Holden, um, or the, the film, which I really want you to check out, the Billy Wilder film, uh, one of the things that's interesting is the Norma Desmond the the star the aging star who wants to re you know juvenate her career relaunch it she's known for silent error right mm-hmm. now think about this it's really only a small amount of time has passed from when her career was really huge to when its faded away mm-hmm. but it's like a million years really when you think about it because it's the silent era and it was discarded so rapidly just tossed away Because the talkies sound, and really, it's only like twenty-five years Mm -hmm. of of a difference in time frame, give or take. And it's totally she's totally destroyed, and her her medium, the the, what she was doing, the silent thing, is unknown to the generation that William Holden is. Mm -hmm. I mean, he he's aware of it because he's a screenwriter and stuff like that, but. The general public, they don't uh, silent movie, Ugh, snore. You know, and that's what's so wild. And from a historical aspect, film historical thing, that's why it's really precious to watch. Also, if you have a sharp eye and you know the silent films, he was so powerful. He, he, he made an impact. Buster Keaton is in that movie. He plays one of her friends, the waxworks. And it's worth, in some other silent era uh, stars are in it as well so I recommend checking out the film but you know definitely check out the radio version we have on 412 and following run that same kind of thing you know about Hollywood and old Hollywood and especially a rivalry between stage in Hollywood because there is a clash between those two way back when and still exists we will be going down that path here in just a few seconds Kimmy but right now I wanna send a shout out to a friend my friend he does for
5: me. Friend, friend, yes, I want friend like me.
3: <laughs> yes, Kimmy, a shout out to a friend who is just like me. I, I found a brother from another mother, and that is a big shout out to my friend, Ed, from Jacksonville, Florida, who traveled all the way down to Orlando to have dinner with us the other evening and uh, just uh, wanted to talk about nothing but toys and collectibles and pop culture and it was a fun evening with Ed, was it not? Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, Ed does know his stuff, doesn't he? Oh, yes. And, you know, I want a friend who does things for me. Well, my friend did something for me. He, he gave me, he found for me, a Big Jim collectible from the 1970s. Here's Big Jim, his safari outfit, his camping tent and friend, Big Josh.
5: Big Jim's on safari when suddenly he sees Big Josh coming at him through the trees. And Big Jim says, let's see if he's stronger than me. Big Josh cracks this tree stump with his axe. Big Jim splits this board with karate wax. And they realize when the contest ends, the two strong guys are going to be strong friends. Big Jim, Big Josh, Camp and Tent, and safari outfit all sold
3: separately from Mattel. Yes, he uh, found me a, a classic, one in the original line, the basic line. Uh, big jim that that was what i was looking for actually and uh, you know yes if you take a look at the uh, picture i have on our website at rileyandkimmy.com that big jim the basic line figure is well almost naked but mm-hmm. not quite he he actually comes with minimal clothes as they point out um he came with orange shorts mm-hmm. he was barefoot so there's a big josh oh, too oh oh kimmy we have we have a lookout for a big mm. josh as well cuz you know you can't have a big jim without a
6: Big Josh.
3: That's right, Kimmy. And when you have okay. a bi- when you have a big Jim and you have a big Josh, uh-huh. there's something else that you got to have, Kimmy. Something that Ed and I talked about.
5: Big Jim's World of Adventure, starring Big Josh with talking camp pack. Let's make camp here. You unload the Big Jim sports camper gear. Big Josh says, "Bring the boat and fishing here. and you know the dinner will soon be here." Big Josh says, "Let's find some fireboy. Now this camp is looking like a good camp should. Big Josh with Talking Camp pack is sold separately. Big Jim Sports Camper comes with fishing boat and
3: gear from Mattel. Yes, the Big Jim Camper is uh, what I'm talking about here. Yeah, you know, Walter White had his camper. Well, Big Jim had his too. Mm. Yes, I did have the Big Jim Camper, by the way. Okay. By Mattel. And I am looking for a Big Jim Camper, I think. And mm-hmm. yes, our friend does have one. I don't know if I would be getting one in the near future or not. But yeah, the big Jim camper. I'm surprised you don't remember. It's sort of about the size of the uh, Barbie camper thing that they had back then. Mm-hmm. And they had their adventures, Big Jim and Big Josh in their in their in their camper. <laughs> yes, they did. They had adventures. Now, if you notice, he was talking there, right? Uh-huh. Uh huh. But it was not like they were trying to they were trying to combat GI Joe who was talking the talking GI Joe at the time. Now, keep in mind uh big jim is not the size of gi joe he's a little bit smaller right big jim is probably about i think about 10 inches tall and gi joe's 12 inches tall (laughs) so you you know big big jim is a little smaller matter of fact big jim and barbie if you think about it if they're using the same barbie we're not sure of the mold uh for the camper the barbie camper and the big jim camper Mm -hmm. well you know big jim's a little bit smaller than barbie Oh, Uh, uh, yeah just just a tad but anyhow at that time period of uh when Big Jim was coming in, he was trying to fight G.I. Joe or take him on. And G.I. Joe had went to the talking G.I. Joe's. They had those, and they'd been out for a period of time. Now, they, because of the smaller size, and I, I assume trying to be a little less expensive, they couldn't design where it was an in, you know inside talking device like with Joe. Joe you pull these dog tags and he talks. Well, they got a little creative. They had the backpack talker. So they <laughs> you strap on a backpack to uh, Big Jim, and then pull a cord on the backpack, and then the adventure begins. Mm. Oh yes, that's right. I know Kimmy. Kimmy's looking forward to this, aren't you? Mm. I, I'm curious. To, I'm I. I don't recall if I ever had one of those as a child. I never did as an adult collector in the collection. I, I'd like to see one at least uh, before I consider adding it or not. You know, to the thing. Now, our friend who is deep into uh, collectibles and toys, especially 60s and 70s material. Uh, he knows the one I'm really looking for, and uh, I'm looking forward to adding this to the collection. Blackson Jackson
7: is my name. Bold adventure is my game. Think of what you'd want to be, then call on me. I want to drive a Jeep.
6: Jackson. Blackson Jackson.
2: Jackson Jackson.
7: I want
5: to drive a snowmobile.
7: Jackson Jackson is my name. Bold adventure is my game. Think of what you'd want to be,
2: then call on me
7: action jackson all
2: items sold
3: separately by miko yeah now that's when toy commercials were toy commercials they had singing uh jingles and things like that hey kimmy was in her chair there her toe was tapping i thought her her dancing feet were starting to you liked that didn't you tune action jackson i know a a good friend of ours david in uh at smash comics uh he's a big action jackson fan i've I bet he'd be just singing that, that tune all day long. Mm. You know, Matter of fact, we'll just send that one out to David there. But I do know Ed. I think Ed was singing that song.
2: In the parking was, lot.
3: Wasn't he singing that one? I couldn't remember if it was that one or not. He was singing that one, right? Mm. Yeah, he was. Yep. I liked Ed's version. You ah. know what? And Ed, uh, you know what? Uh, you have an invite to the Riley and Kimmy show um, to uh, sing those songs if you'd like to. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. You know, we could have like, you know, Ed sing a, a jingle and we maybe guess what the toy line or the, the product is. Hey. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm thinking some fun here. By the way, Action Jackson, I know Kimmy's not familiar with. Now, I have had it in a collection in the past, but it escaped. Uh was part of the Mego line, as you heard, and it was the early 1970s. Um, smaller, smaller even than Big Jim. So Big Jim could actually kick Action Jackson's butt possibly. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Those orange shorts, they kind of, you know... <laughs> But wait, I'm going to put Big Jim in the karate outfit. He did have a karate outfit, Kimmy. Mm. Oh yeah, he could he could do some Hong Kong Fui on somebody quite well. Mm. Now those were big in 1971. It was a big uh, a big seller for Mego, but it kind of tanked in 1974. And they ran a ton a ton of commercials in like early 1971 through uh, 1972 or so for that that product line now if you love this stuff I'm talking about and you like to uh, find vintage toys including lunch boxes because we did talk about lunch boxes with our friend Ed and other types of collectibles I highly recommend I strongly recommend I say please please do this please go to Ed's website it's something to check out it's popretrorama.com that's popretrorama.com and check out all the, the neat information and all the, the photos and things that Ed does have there and his team of collectors. It, it, it is really it is. It's something to check out and you would just you'll lose time. You know, he actually he's like a he's like a big, you know, time vault, the way I look at. It. He's no, he's a protector of the toy. He is a protector of the toy. He's a gu- a guardian of the toy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. He's a guardian of it. He he's out there to protect the memories. Everybody's memories. Way to go, Ed. <laughs> Our big salute to you, buddy. And we look forward to seeing you in a not-so-distant future. And uh, it's just fun to find a uh, a brother of the toy and a collectible like that. Just a downright nice person. And mm-hmm. uh, we hope to see, matter of fact, we will be seeing Ed definitely at a big toy show coming up in the near future. We will be, I, I heard a rumor he's going to be in Daytona Beach, um, set up at a table in Daytona Beach. We'll be there, too. We've been invited by a fantastic promoter. In Daytona, and that will be in the month of June. And we have information about that on our website at RileyandKibby.com. And then, of course, Ed has a humongous show, a monster show, I don't mean it's monsters, but it is just gigantic, in Jacksonville, Florida, which is a retrorama pop culture collectible show. We have a link to that as well. Please go to that, because Ed invited us, man. That's one of the reasons I want you to be there. We'd like to meet you, but there's just so many good things. When I went to uh, Edge show uh, just recently that we attended, we were guests at, uh, I, 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 I wish I had brought a U-Haul behind me to load up all the things that I saw. Mm -hmm. And his table alone is just fantastic because he's into vintage G.I. Joes and so many other things. You know, like $6 million man and men, I guess would be the word, and bionic women and all kinds of things. And not just him. There's so many fine collectors that he has at this event and stars and celebrities and things like that. So be sure to make your plans to join that big event happening in August. I know Kimmy's going to be there, right? Mm-hmm. That's right, Kimmy. Kimmy's going to be there and cosplay friends all over Central Florida and all over Florida, I hope you can attend too. I'm sure you will find a very fun event.
6: Too. They, they had um, a nice eclectic range of
3: different things that you don't see every at every show. So it was a nice selection. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, and I'm gonna throw this here not to scare people away. Vintage mm-hmm. classic. Um, Because unfortunately, and I'm not bashing that big, huge, humongous, gigantic, superb, fantastic land of, you know, celebration of nerdom, that big show that happens in April in Orlando, the big con, but it doesn't focus on vintage that much. Mm-hmm. There are some vendors and stuff that do, but a very small amount. Mm-hmm. Very tiny. But this is, that's where it's predominant, is that. And I love that. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it, and you know, it's something to actually take kids to because you can, you, there's a wide range of toys that are there, but you can also share memories. Say, hey, you know, when I was blah, I had this. And you can get, possibly, a child into the world of collecting. Mm-hmm. And that is that is a fun thing that can go through, you know, share with a family forever. And I, I know some people have done that, you know, that they actually started out with their grandparents and then they pass it on to their kids and et cetera. So it's a, it's a really cool thing to do. So check that out. More details about uh, Ed's website, com. Also uh, go to the Retrorama website for the actual show that's coming up. In the month of August, you will be glad that you did. Now, speaking of friends, Kimmy, I have to do a shout out to Deland, Florida, because earlier before sitting down for this uh, episode 413, I was roaming the streets of downtown Deland and I saw a friend of mine who, well, he has probably one of the oddest things I've ever seen, matter of fact, the oddest thing I've ever seen, bought at an auction sitting out in front of his store. Yeah, shout out to our good friend Jim at Carousels Collectibles in downtown Deland. Beautiful place to check out. Uh, Head to Deland, Florida, if you're going to possibly... uh, Central Florida for maybe a vacation to thaw out from that uh, nasty stuff that's going on up north. Uh, it's it's really close to Daytona Beach. It's very close to Orlando. It's worth stopping by. And if you are a native or a resident of the area, you have no excuse. Make a plan to head there. You'll be glad you did. There's always something. We're talking about uh, toy shows and stuff like that. You'll find a wide range of things at Carousel's Collectibles, including a vintage ATM machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, we watched uh, like a week ago or so... Uh, Jim uh, purchased this thing, and uh, it is vintage. We're guessing uh, early 80s, right around there, and uh, it it is a sight to see. If you want to see a picture of this item, he has it now on display proudly out in front of his uh, place, mm-hmm. in front of his shop. Uh, it's unique, and uh, you you you. you know, hey, maybe you want that thing. I don't know. I told him not to part with it. I said he actually bought it with an ATM neon sign, which he's keeping for his personal collection. Neon sign is beautiful, by the way. Yeah, I like it. And the, and the ATM does have a sign, but it's not a neon sign. You know, it's got signage on it. To, you know, well, you just check out, check out the photo. You can see it right on our website, RileyAndKimmy.com. And uh, I'm sure he will help load that in the back of your car or yeah, yeah. on the back of your motorcycle or however you want to transport that thing. Uh-huh. uh what are, However you're brave to do it. Can you see somebody transporting that thing sort of like a surfboard? Because, you know, where we live, we see people traveling with surfboards all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. You know, can you see them with that strap on top of the car?
6: We see all
3: kinds of uh, uh, interesting uh, transport of various things. Well, yeah, sometimes it does look like the Beverly Hillbillies yeah. where somebody's, you know, Jethro's driving down the, the highway. Something yep. strapped onto the car and it's like, oh, Please let's hope they tied it quite well let's not drive behind them that's right uh let's go slow and avoid them Uh, or go no i don't encourage going fast i do not do that i obey the law i do not speed on i4 i95 or or i92 that's kimmy that does that
4: my name is jean constantine here's where you can reach me
3: master of the dark arts i'm
4: getting new ones made
3: Well, I think that was one of Kimmy's favorite shows. I'm not sure if it ended up still being one of Kimmy's shows. I'm not quite sure if uh, she loved it as much of where it ended so far. Uh, I can't tell with you. But anyhow, ComicBook.com reports NBC is still keen on the ratings challenged Constantine and reportedly hoping to figure out a way to keep it alive. And they will make no decision on the series until May. Hmm. Now that's according to the showrunner, Daniel Cerrone. Now, when the series failed to receive a back nine order, many fans and media outlets wrote it off as dead in the water, but NBC continued to air the remaining episodes in prime time. And that is very rare. Usually those kind of shows don't get that kind of treatment. They usually just burn off the episodes, throw them anywhere they can, or in some cases don't even air them at all. Hmm. So they've treated it with some form of you know respect. But mm-hmm. the question is what's going to happen to it? Is it going to end up... You know, on Netflix, it's going to end up on some other uh, service. Uh, it's unknown right at the moment, but there's good news for that. I'm going to be be dead honest with this. This is the first show I've ever seen. Started out, in my opinion, kind of weak. Got good in the middle of what we've seen so far, and then I, it tanked to me. Mm-hmm. It just lost itself. It's sort of like they they were like, and they they've already had some of these in the can. It's sort of like it was like, yeah, let's just you know let's just shoot ourselves in the foot and not be picked up i i have never seen something get weak like that in my Mm -hmm. opinion i'm very disappointed i love the lead actor and and the cast as well Mm -hmm. and elements of it i really really do like um so i I would like to see it come back just jazzed up a little bit Mm -hmm. be the best way to put it and you know so there you go if you'd like to find a little bit more information about the constantine possibility coming back to tv just check out our website rileyandkimmy.com there's
7: no business like show business like no business i know everything about it is appealing everything the traffic will allow
0: well we're no just
3: way. around the corner from uh, the academy awards and by the way don't feel bad for the academy award nominees who go home empty-handed on oscar night kimmy none of this year's best actor actress Supporting actor, actress, and director contenders should be sore losers when they see the contents of their gift bags. Those gift bags, according to Variety, are valued at more than $125,000. Now, in addition to the usual smorgasbord of luxury skincare products and high-end accessories associated with these annual goodie bags, this year's giveaway includes a number of jaw-dropping highlights a 3-night stay at a resort in Tuscany valued at $1500 a luxury train ride through the Canadian Rockies worth more than $14,500 and this sounds like some of the stuff I wouldn't bid on at uh, prices right on the big showcase mm-hmm. I go uh i'll pass through (laughs) doesn't it (laughs) also let's see you could uh i'm gonna say when you will get in your gift bag i don't know how i fit this one in here natural french mediterranean sea salts worth fifteen hundred dollars a custom silver necklace inscribed with the latitude and longitude coordinates of the dolby theater from lat and low worth one hundred and fifty dollars A glamping trip valued at $1,250, an $800 gift certificate for custom candy and dessert buffet, a $250 haze vaporizer, and watch out, cover the ears of the little ones, a $250 Afterglow vibrator, a wellness 360 gift pack worth $1,200, a year's worth of all Audi A4 car rental from Silver Car. How much would you say that's valued at, Kimmy? i have no idea twenty thousand dollars wow it could be yours if you're a loser on the academy awards now a reset yourself lifestyle makeover package how much would you say that is worth worth more than what kimmy five thousand what it's worth fourteen thousand two hundred dollars all right and there's so much more in that little bitty gift bag just for being a loser Okay. So it pays to be a loser. Uh So when they lose, go, wow, you got a nice gift bag. Now, the most highly valued item in the year's gift bag, according to the press release from Distinctive Assets, the bag's creator, is a $20,000 gift certificate to have Enigma Life founder fly out to meet with each nominee to discuss their 2015 horoscope, analyze dreams, and teach them mind control techniques. Okay. so get this you lose right and you get your $20,000 gift certificate and you get your mind control techniques now do you think the loser is going to use those mind control techniques to be a winner in the next Academy Awards Mm. I'm just wondering
6: I wonder how many of them use the things that they get in their bags. Now, this is
3: a very good question. They they adjusted the rules and regulations and all the stuff with the Oscars, and they changed some things with it. They do not, in, the, actually, the Academy Awards does not endorse this. Okay. They themselves no longer, they used to. They no longer endorse this. Now, if you get this thing, you have to pay taxes on it. Oh. But I know there's probably some crafty accountants out there, and you know, uh, attorneys and Mm. individuals like that they might say well this is all part of work related stuff you gotta look look good for the role Mm -hmm. so they uh, i don't know how many write-offs they got right there you know that mind control thing that might be kind of hard to swing as a write-off well i had to have my twenty thousand dollar mind control seminar to you know and my horoscope red because i had to know what roles to take because if i don't take the right role i won't win an academy award Mm. so you know that that's possible could you imagine that filling that out Mm. somebody finagling that one. You know, we need to talk to our Mr. Hollywood, Mr. Fun, because he grew up in that world and his family worked in Hollywood, worked uh, with celebrities and stuff like that. And he probably knows that because he's Mr. Know-it-all. He knows everything when it comes to Hollywood stuff. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you uh, quit being a chicken, because I know you listen to the Riley and Kim show, he's, some reason, he's shy. He will not come on the show, yet he'll talk my ear off. And when I say, hey, come on the show, he's like, I'm, I'm shy. So anyhow, maybe he'll quit being shy and become part of the show. And we can find out all those kind of things, right? That'd be kind of cool, right? Mm -hmm. Now, I mentioned earlier, we were talking about a movie that's about, that went to radio that was called Sunset Boulevard, that was about Hollywood. Well, there's another one that's, that's about the world of acting. It does deal with Hollywood. It deals with stage, predominantly stage, but also a rivalry between stage and Hollywood. And it is a classic film. I don't know if Kimmy has ever seen this one. All About Eve.
5: Honored members, ladies and gentlemen, For distinguished achievement in the theater, the Sarah Siddons Award to Miss Eve Harry.
7: I'm going to take you to Margot. Oh, no. Oh, yes, she's got to meet you.
2: She's quite a girl, this what's her name?
8: Eve. I'd forgotten they grew that way. I take it, she read well
3: wasn't a reading, it was a performance. Brilliant, vivid, something made of music and fire.
9: How nice. After all you've said, don't you know that part was written for Margot? It might have been 15 years ago. It's my part now.
2: You're quite a girl. You think?
8: Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. True. You do all that just for a
9: part and I'd do much more for a pot that could. Why do they always look like unhappy rabbits?
6: Because that's what they are. I are to make him happy.
3: All right, give me that last line there. There never was. Why do they always look like unhappy rabbits was spoken by a female actress. Can you identify that actress? Sound like Marilyn. That's right. It's Marilyn Monroe in one of her very first movie roles. That's why this movie is something to really check out. And that is All About Eve. Now, this film is huge. It was from 1950. It's a drama. And it, it some say, well, it's dated. But it's not, actually. It gives you a feel of acting, performance, reviews, uh, sort of like the, the world behind the scenes. And rivalry. That is one of the keys, which does exist in show business. I don't care if you're a comedian or you're a set designer or whatever. You, whatever performance world of showbiz, magic, anything, it's there. There is rivalry, there's high levels of competition. And this deals with that. Now, it was praised by critics at the time of its release. All About Eve was nominated for how many Academy Awards, Kimmy? Uh, seven. 14 Academy Awards, a feat unmatched until what movie? You saw the movie. Sunset Boulevard? No. A movie from 1997. Give Kimmy one more chance here. Titanic? That's right. It did win six Academy Awards, including Best Picture. As of 2014, All About Eve is still the only film in Oscar history to receive four female acting nominations. As I said, a very powerful film to check out. Now, the movie highlights the antagonism and the existence between Hollywood and broadway at the time now the script summoned into existence a whole array of painfully recognizable theater types one of the performances that i love yes betty davis fantastic and it's it's amazing she would actually do this role because she's playing the aging actress and you know she knew that's what this role was all about but she did it and she is she's fantastic It's also george sanders who plays a critic in there you heard him with marilyn monroe with the soundbite he, I love George Sanders, and you saw him recently in a movie I had you watch with me uh, where he plays a villain, and he plays various ranges. And he also, for us Batman freaks, was Mr. Freeze, one of them on the Batman TV series. So, yeah, he's he's something to really check out here. It's really, really good, and that is All About Eve. Now, radio did movie productions, meaning when there was a very successful movie at the time, like in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, sometimes they would do a radio version of it, a radio production of it, and it's not just taking the audio from the movie and throwing it on. It's actually, it's I'm going to say, adjusted for the theater of the mind. I tried to explain this to one of my friends. He's like, well, you know, well, a movie's two hours long. That's not two hours long. And I said, yeah, but there's some things if you watch a movie that are visual that they take out. There's long stretches where there's no audio or just sound effects behind it. They can, they can compress this, and it's not compression, but they can make it where it's not that whole Time of the film, Mm -hmm. and it is the story is usually not tainted, it's not lost. And in some time, in some cases, it may even be better. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, some of the performers from the original series or the original movie go to the radio show. Now, Lux Radio Theater did all about Eve. The original air date was October 1st, 1951. It ran on NBC's Blue Network, by the way, Lux Theater, from 1934 to 1935, CBS from 35 to 54, and NBC from 54 to 1955. A long time. Now, during its first two seasons, Lux Radio Theater adapted Broadway plays and later turned to adapting popular Hollywood films for radio. It became the most popular dramatic anthology series on radio during its day, Many leading stage and screen stars, including Agnes Moorhead, Cary Grant, Frank Sinatra, Ava Gardner, Joan Crawford, and Orson Welles all appeared on and in the Lux Radio Theater Productions, often in roles they originated on stage or screen. Now, what we're going to do is go back in time to All About Eve in 1951, and what we're going to have here is All About Eve, the radio version on The Riley and Kimmy Show.
5: Lux presents Hollywood.
2: Lieber
1: Brothers Company, the makers of Lux Flakes, bring you the Lux Radio Theater, starring Betty Davis, Ann Baxter, Reginald Gardner, and Gary Merrill in All About Eve. Ladies and gentlemen, your producer,
5: Mr. William Keelig. Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. While I was directing plays on the New York stage, I had a first-hand opportunity to watch the frantic struggle of young actresses to attain stardom in the theater. But uh, none uh, that I knew, at least, used the tactics of the young woman in our play tonight, All About Eve. I first read of Eve's unorthodox behavior in a magazine story by Mary Orr, entitled uh, The Wisdom of Eve, and I was delighted to see 20th Century Fox turn it into the Academy Award-winning picture of 1950. A portion of this honor may be attributed to the unforgettable performances of Betty Davis, Ann Baxter, and Gary Merrill. We're very gratified to present them tonight in their original roles, starring with Reginald Gardner as the malicious critic. I'm sure if we really knew all about Eve, we'd discover Lux Flakes in her household. You know, Lux Flakes are a must for all discriminating women who demand gentle, safer washing care. Now, All About Eve, starring Betty Davis as Margot, Ann Baxter as Eve, Reginald Gardner as Addison DeWitt, and Gary Merrill as Bill. <laughs> To those of the New York Theater, no other tribute, critical acclaim, or glorification can approach the heights of recognition represented in the Sarah Siddons Award for Distinguished Achievement. A moment ago, this most cherished honor came to a young actress named Eve Harrington. Among the many eminent personalities present is the noted critic Addison DeWitt.
0: This is Eve's hour. Beautiful, radiant, poised, she is about to make her speech of acceptance. The hall rings with applause and bravos. Everyone is looking at Eve, all except Karen Richards. Karen's made a little pile of crumbs on the tablecloth. She's patting it with a spoon, staring at it absently. I wonder what Karen Richards is thinking about.
9: Eve. Eve Harrington. It seems a lifetime ago, that rainy night in October... I hurried down the alley to the stage door. But where was she? Strange. I'd become so accustomed to seeing her here night after night, I found myself looking for a girl I'd never spoken to. Wondering where...
7: she. Oh, there you are.
9: Well, it seemed odd, suddenly, you're not being here. After all, six nights a week for weeks, watching Margot Channing enter and leave a theater. I hope you don't mind my speaking to you. It, it took every bit of courage I could raise. To speak to a playwright's wife? <laughs> I'm the lowest form of celebrity. You're Margot Channing's best friend. You and your husband are always with her. Tell me, what do you do in between the time Margot goes in the theater and comes out? Just huddle and wait? Oh, no. I see the play. See the play? You mean you've... You've seen every performance? Yes. Well, apart from everything else, don't you find it expensive? Oh, Tanning doesn't cost much. I manage... Well, you're coming with me, young lady. I'm going to take you to Margot. Oh, no. Oh, oh yes, she's got to meet you. Oh, no, no, I'd be imposing on her. I'd be just another tongue-tied, gushing fan. There isn't another like you. There couldn't be. Oh, uh, by the way, what's your name? Eve. Eve Harrington. Margot was in her dressing room. Lloyd, my husband, was with her, and, of course, Bertie,
6: Margot's maid.
1: Good morning, Karen. Margot's just been interviewed by a lady reporter
5: from the South.
6: And the minute it gets printed, they're going to fire on Gettysburg all over again. It was Fort Sumter they fired
5: on.
6: Where's my cold cream?
8: Lloyd, honey, be a playwright with guts. Write me a play about a nice, normal woman who just shoots
4: her husband.
9: I find these wisecracks increasingly less funny, Margot.
8: Aged in Wood happens to be a fine and distinguished play.
4: That's my
1: loyal little woman.
8: Oh, relax, kid. It's just me and my big mouth. Well, it's it's just that you
9: get me so mad sometimes. Of all the women in the world with nothing to complain about. Ain't it the truth? Yes, it is. You're talented, famous, wealthy.
8: People waiting around night after night just to see you, even in the rain. Orthographines. little bees. They're your fans. Your audience. They're nobody's audience. They never see a play or a movie, even. They're never indoors long enough. Well, there's
9: uh, one indoors right now. I I brought her back to see you. You what? Yes, yeah, she's just outside the door. A birdie? Yes? Yeah. The heave Oh, now you can't put her out, Margot. She worships you. You must have spotted her by now. She's always there.
8: Oh, I know. The mousy one with the trench coat and the funny hat. Yes. Uh, Come in, Eve Margot This is
9: Eve Harrington How do you do, my
6: dear? Oh, brother Hello,
9: Miss Channing
8: My husband
1: Hello, Miss Harrington
8: How do you do, Mr. Richards? And this is my
6: dear friend and companion Miss Bertie Coonan Oh,
1: brother Oh, brother what?
6: When she gets like this, all of a sudden She's playing Hamlet's mother I'm sure
8: you must have things to do in the bathroom, Bertie, dear.
6: If I haven't, I'll find something till you get normal. Dear Bertie. I was just
9: telling Margot and Lloyd how often you've seen the play.
4: Yes. Every performance. Well, then, am I safe in assuming that you like it?
9: I'd like anything Miss Channing played in. Would you really? How sweet. Your new play is for Miss Channing, too, isn't
4: it? Oh, how did you hear about it?
9: Oh, there was an item in Addison DeWitt's column. I liked the title Footsteps on the ceiling.
1: Oh. Now, let's get back to this one. Every performance, hmm? Why?
8: Yes, there are other plays.
9: Not
1: with you in them. Not by Mr. Richards. But you must have friends, a home, family.
9: No. Tell us about it, Eve. If I only knew how. Try. Well, it started with a play before this one. Remember? Did you see it here in New York? San Francisco. The most important night of my life. Until now. I found myself going the next night. And the next, and the next. And then when the show went east, I went east. Eve, why don't you start at the beginning? Oh, I couldn't possibly interest you. Now, please. Well, I guess it started back home, Wisconsin. There was just Mom and Dad and me. Farmers were poor in those days. So I quit school and became a secretary in a brewery. wasn't much fun, but it helped at home. There was a little theater group there. Like a drop of rain on the desert. That's where I met Eddie. We played Lillian three times. Oh, I was awful. When the war came, we got married. Eddie was in the Air Force. They sent him to the South Pacific. And then a letter arrived. Eddie had a leave coming up, and I went to San Francisco to meet him. But Eddie wasn't there. Just a telegram. Eddie wasn't coming at all. Eddie was dead. I found a job, and his insurance helped. And there were theaters in San Francisco. And then one night, Margot Channing came to play in remembrance. And,
6: well, here I am. What a story. Everything but the bloodhound snapping at her rear end. <laughs>
8: there are some human experiences, Birdie, that even an ex-fifth-rate should understand and respect.
6: I want to apologize for Birdie. Sorry, it's just my way of talking. You didn't hurt my
1: feelings, Miss Coonan.
6: Call me Birdie. Oh, hi you, Mr. Sampson. Hi, Bertie.
1: For your information, Margot, my plane takes off in 47 minutes. And how do I find you? Not ready yet and looking like a junkyard.
7: Thank you so much. Bill, this The is...
1: airlines have clocks even if you haven't. I start shooting a week from Monday.
8: Bill. I'm a junkyard. Bill, this is Eve Harrington. Hi.
1: My wonderful junkyard. The mystery and dreams you find in a junkyard. Oh, hello. What's your name?
9: Eve. Eve Harrington. You've already met.
1: Huh? Where?
9: Oh, Eve, you're not going. I think I'd better...
8: It's been... I can hardly
9: find the words to say how it's been. Thank you.
8: No, stick around. Tell you what, we'll put Stanislavski on his plane, you and I, and then go somewhere and talk. Well, if I'm not in the way... I'll shower and dress. I won't be a minute.
9: Yes, Bill was going to Hollywood to direct the picture. I can't remember why Lloyd and I couldn't go to the airport with them, but I do remember that as we left, Eve started talking to Bill. So you're going to Hollywood, Mr. Sampson?
1: Just for one picture. Why?
9: I just wondered.
1: Just wondered what?
9: Why you'd want to go out there. I mean, well, when a man's the best and most successful young director in the theater. The
1: theater. What book of rules says the theater exists only in New York? Listen, Junior, and learn. Yes. You want to know what the theater is? A flea circus. Also opera, rodeos, carnivals, ballets, Indian tribal dances, punch and judy, a one-man band. Wherever there's magic and make-believe in an audience, there's theater. From Donald Duck to Eleanor Duesa, all theater. You don't understand them all. You don't like them all. Why should you? The theater's for everybody, you included, but not exclusively. So don't approve or disapprove. It may not be your theater, but it's theater for somebody, somewhere.
9: I just asked a simple question.
1: (sighs) And I shot my mouth off. (laughs) Nothing personal, Junior. Margot! I'm leaving here in exactly three seconds.
6: So am I if I can find my coat? It's right where you left it.
1: Oh. Any messages for Tyrone Power, Bertie?
6: Yeah, I'll give him my phone number. You got the key, Bertie. I ain't forgot it yet. I'll see you at home in an hour.
9: Eve, where are you going? You don't really want me tagging along. I oh, don't be silly. This
8: way. It's quicker if we cut across the city. Where is she, Bill? What happened to Eve?
1: She's at the desk picking up my tickets. She said we had so little time to be together that...
8: She's quite a girl. I'd forgotten they grew that way anymore.
1: Yes, that lack of pretense. That strange sort of understanding.
8: Isn't it silly? Suddenly I've developed a big protective feeling toward her. A lamb loose in our big stone jungle. Bill, take care of yourself out there.
1: I understand they have the Indians pretty well in hand.
8: Don't get stuck on some glamour puss.
1: I'll try.
8: You're a set-up for some gorgeous, wide-eyed young babe.
1: Now, how childish are you going to get before you stop it?
8: I don't want to be childish. I'd settle for just a few years.
1: And then cut that out right now.
8: Am I going to lose you, Bill? Am I?
1: As of this moment, you're six years old.
8: Everything's
9: ready, Mr. Sampson. Hmm?
1: Oh, oh, thanks, Eve.
9: Your ticket. They'd like you to get it right on the plane.
1: You've been very helpful. Good luck.
7: Goodbye, Mr. Sampson.
1: Knit me a muffler, Margot.
7: Kiss me, Bill. Call me when you get in.
1: On the hour. Hey, Junior, keep your eye on her. She's a loose lamb in a jungle.
8: That same night, we went for Eve's things, her few pitiful possessions, and she moved into the little guest room. Eve became my sister, lawyer, mother, friend, psychiatrist, and cop. Her quiet efficiency, her her constant anticipation of my wishes drove Bertie mad. I loved it. Yes, the honeymoon was on. Early one morning, the telephone rang. I was half groggy with sleep. The operator made no sense to me at all. We are ready with your call to Beverly Hills, California.
7: Where? What call?
8: We are ready with the call you placed for 12 midnight California time to Mr. William Sampson in Beverly Hills. Go ahead, please.
1: Margo, what a wonderful surprise. What a thoughtful, ever-loving thing to do.
8: Bill, have I gone crazy, Bill?
1: You're my girl, aren't you? That I am. Then you're crazy. Oh,
8: when are you coming back?
1: In a week. Well, I'm waiting. When are you going to say it?
8: Oh, now, Bill, you know how much I do but over a phone. Now, really, that's kid stuff.
1: Kid stuff or not, it doesn't happen every day. If one won't say it, then you can sing it. Sing it? Union boys used to do.
8: Bill, it's your birthday.
1: And who remembered it? Who was there on the dot at 12 midnight?
8: Happy birthday, darling.
1: Well, the reading could have been better, but you said it. Hey, I I get a party, don't I?
8: Of course, birthday and coming home. Who'll I ask?
1: Well, it's no secret. I know all about the party. Eve wrote me.
8: Eve? She did?
1: Sure, she hasn't missed a week since I left. But you know all about that. You probably tell her what to write. Tell me, how is Eve? Okay. Okay. I love you.
8: I'll check with Eve. (laughs) I love you, too. Good night, darling. I thought a lot about that phone call in the morning when Bertie came in with my
6: breakfast. That's a silly question to ask me. All I said was, you don't like Eve, do you? You want an argument or an answer? I'd like an answer. No. Why not? Now, you want an argument. Well, she's, she's loyal and efficient. Like an agent with only one client. She thinks only of me, doesn't she? I'll say. How do you mean that? Well, I'll tell you how. Like, well, like she's studying you. Like you was a book or, or a play or a set of blueprints. How you walk, talk, eat, think, sleep. I'm sure that's very flattering, Birdie, and I'm also sure... Good morning. Short... Good
8: morning, Eve. I'm going downtown now, Miss Channing. Is there anything else you've thought of? Well, there's that script to take back to the guild? I've got it. And those checks for the income tax, ma'am. Right in
9: this envelope.
8: It seems I can't think of a thing you haven't thought of.
9: That's my job, Miss Channing.
8: Eve, by any chance did you place a call for me to Bill Sampson for Midnight California time? Golly, I forgot to tell you. Yes, dear. You forgot all about it.
9: Well, I was sure you'd want to, of course, being his birthday... And you've been so busy. It was very thoughtful of you, Eve. Mister Sampson's birthday. I couldn't forget that. You'd never forgive me. As a matter of
6: fact, I sent him a telegram myself.
8: Did you say
6: something, Birdie? Who said something? Don't. <laughs>
1: Before we return with Act Two of All About Eve, here's our producer,
5: William Keeley, with his movie news of the week. And good news. Theodore Dreiser's much-discussed novel of the 20s, An American Tragedy, has been made into a distinguished motion picture, brought up to date in time and settings by Paramount under the title A Place in the Sun. The superb cast, Montgomery Clift, Elizabeth Taylor, and Shelley Winters. And the critics seem to agree that all three... ...give the best performances of their careers. The story told with mounting suspense... ...concerns a poor boy played by Montgomery Clift... ...who finds comfort in a lonely factory girl, Shelley Winters. But as he progresses to wealth and success... ...he falls in love with Elizabeth Taylor... ...and aspires to the social set of which she's a part. His unwillingness to marry Shelley when she needs him... ...involves him in the famous boating accident... ...that leads to his downfall... A Place in the Sun definitely deserves a place on your list of films to see. The cast alone, Bill, is a triple threat.
7: And Elizabeth Taylor, as a wealthy society girl, wears such gorgeous clothes. For instance, Edith Head, Paramount's well-known designer, created a stunning, luxable costume for the important scene at the lake. It's white organdy with layers of organdy petticoats to give it that doll-waisted look so smart this season. It was luxe again and again, stayed just as lovely as new.
1: Shelley Winter's wardrobe looks extra drab by comparison.
7: Well, she plans to make up for it on her trip to Paris. She's counting on a shopping spree, collecting exquisite handmade slips and nighties and negligees. And if I know Shelley, she took several boxes of luxe in her luggage to make sure her things get the safest possible care.
1: Scores of famous Hollywood screen stars say there's nothing like new Lux with color freshener. It's perfect for all kinds of lingerie. Silks, rayons, nylons, and fine cotton. White stayed dazzling, white as new. Delicate colors more brilliant than ever before.
7: No wonder makers of lingerie advise Lux 33 to 1.
1: Why don't you get a big box of new Lux tomorrow? Give your nice things that nice as new Lux look. Now, here's your producer, Mr. William Keeley.
5: Act two of All About Eve, starring Betty Davis as Margot, Ann Baxter as Eve, Reginald Gardner as Addison DeWitt, and Gary Merrill as Bill.
8: Bill's welcome home birthday party, a night to go down in history. Even before it started, I could smell disaster in the air. When I went down the stairs, I was surprised to find the still had already arrived.
1: Well, looks like you're going to have a very fancy party.
8: No, I thought you were going to be late. How long have you been here?
1: Oh, just a few minutes. I ran into Eve. She seems so interested in Hollywood. And
8: she's a girl of so many interests.
1: That's a pretty rare quality these days.
8: A girl of so many rare qualities.
1: So she seems.
8: So you pointed out so often. So many qualities so often. And so young. So young and so fair.
1: I can't believe you're making this up. It sounds like something out of an old Clyde Fitch play.
8: Clyde Fitch, so you may not think so, was well before my time.
1: Well, I've always denied the legend that you were in Our American Cousin the night Lincoln was shot.
8: I don't think that's funny.
1: Of course it's funny. Whipping yourself into a jealous froth because I spent ten minutes with a stage-struck kid.
8: Stage-struck kid. She's a young lady of quality. And I'll have you know I am set up with both the young lady and her qualities. Studying me as if I were a a play or or a blueprint. How I walk, talk, think, act, sleep. It so happens there are particular aspects of my life to which I would like to maintain sole and exclusive rights and privileges.
1: For instance, what?
8: For instance, you.
1: Darling, this is my cue to take you in my arms and reassure you. But I'm not going to. I'm too mad.
8: Guilty. Mad.
1: Darling, there are certain characteristics for which you are famous. On stage and off. I love you for some of them and in spite of others. They're part of your equipment for getting along in what is laughingly called our environment. You have to keep your teeth sharp. All right. But I will not have you sharpen them on me or on Eve.
9: What about her teeth? What about her face?
1: She hasn't cut them yet and you know it. Eve Harrington has never indicated anything to me but her adoration for you and her happiness at our being in love. And to intimate anything else spells a paranoiac insecurity that you should be ashamed of.
8: Cut! printed. What happens in the next reel? Do so I get dragged off screaming to the snake pit? Excuse me, Miss Channing. Oh. Yes, Eve. The hors d'oeuvres are here. Is there anything else I can do? Yes, thank you. I'd like a martini. Very dry. And very double.
1: Well, I've been looking for you, Margot. Karen and I have to run along. It's been a swell party.
6: Where's Karen Lloyd?
1: Upstairs. Yes, getting her coat, I think.
8: How's the new play coming along?
1: Footsteps on the ceiling. Oh, all right, I guess.
8: And the girl. Is she still 20?
1: No, 20-ish. It's not important.
8: Don't you think it's about time it became
1: important? Margot, you haven't got any age.
8: Margot Channing is ageless. Spoken like a press agent. Lloyd, I'm not 20-ish. I'm not 30-ish. Three months ago, I was 40 years old. 40. That slipped out. I hadn't quite made up my mind to admit it. You've had another
4: fight with Bill, am I
2: right?
8: Bill's 32. He looks 32. He looked at five years ago, and he'll look at 20 years from now. I hate men. Don't worry, Lloyd. I'll I'll play your play. I'll wear rompers and come in rolling a hoop if you like.
2: Now get out of here. Go find
9: your wife. So nice of you to come upstairs with me, Eve. I just wanted to be sure you'd find your coat, Mrs. Richards. Tell me, Eve, how are things going? You happy? There should be a new word for happiness. Being here with Miss Channing, she's been so wonderful. Done so much for me. Oh, you've done your share too, Eve. Well, good night. Mrs. Richards. Karen, Karen. Isn't it awful? I'm about to ask you for another favor. After all you've done already. Oh, that's nonsense. It's just that Miss Channing's affairs are in such good shape now, and I, I heard that Miss Channing's understudy was going to have a baby, and they'd have to replace her, so... So I... You want to be Margot's new understudy. I don't let myself think about it even. But I do know the parts so well, and every bit of the staging. But suppose I had to go on one night to an audience that came to see Margot Channing... Oh, no, I couldn't possibly. Well, I wouldn't worry about that. Margot just doesn't miss performances. If she can walk, crawl, or roll, she plays. The show must go on. No, dear. Margot must go on. But as a matter of fact, I... I don't see why you shouldn't be her understudy. Do you think she'd approve? I think she'd cheer. But Mr. Richards and Mr. Sampson... Well, stop worrying. They'll do as they're told. I seem to be forever thanking you for something, don't I? Good night, Karen. Good night, dear. So Eve became Margot's understudy. Naturally, I assumed that Margot approved. One afternoon, Margot went to the theater. Someone else was leading the cast, and Margot had consented to help with an audition. A
8: friend of Addison DeWitt's, a Miss Caswell was trying out the part.
0: Margot. How nice to see you.
8: Why oh, aren't you in the theater, Madison, at the side of your protégé lending her moral support?
0: Oh, but I did. The audition, however, is over. But
8: at be. I came here to read with Miss Caswell.
0: The audition was called for 2.30. It's now nearly
8: 4.00. Is it really? Who read with Miss Caswell? Bill? No. Lloyd? No. Well, who then?
0: Naturally enough, your understudy.
8: Well, I consider it highly unnatural to allow a girl in an advanced state of pregnancy. So...
0: I refer to your new understudy, Miss Eve Harrington.
8: Eve? My
0: understudy. Oh, didn't you know? Well,
8: of course I
0: knew. I just slipped your mind.
8: How was Miss Caswell?
0: But frankly, I don't remember.
8: Just slipped your mind?
0: Completely. Nor can anyone else tell you how Miss Caswell read or whether Miss Caswell read or rode a pogo stick.
8: Was she that bad?
0: Margot, as you know, I have lived in the theater as a Trappist monk lives in his faith. And once in a great while, I experience that moment of revelation for which all true believers wait and pray. You were one, Eve Harrington is another. Mm.
8: I take it, she read well.
0: It was something made of fire and music. Brilliant, vivid, unforgettable. How nice. In time, she'll be what you are
8: a mass of fire and music. That means an old kazoo with some sparklers. Tell me, was uh, was Bill swept away too, or were you too full of revelation Do
0: notice? Bill didn't say, but Lloyd was beside himself. He, he listened to his play as if it had been written by someone else, he said. It sounded so fresh, so new, so full of meaning.
8: Mm, how nice for Lloyd, how nice for Eve, how nice for everyone.
0: Eve was incredibly modest. She insisted that Lloyd felt as he did, only because she read his lines exactly as he'd written
8: them. The implication being that I have not been reading them as written...
0: To the best of my recollection, neither your name nor your performance had entered the conversation. Uh, may, I, may I give you a lift somewhere?
8: No, no, thank you, Addison. I'll just run on in so they'll know I did come after all. I must start wearing a watch. I never have, you
5: know. Well, how are you, darling? Oh,
8: terribly sorry I'm late, Master. Lunch was on, and I couldn't find a cab. Well, shall we start. Where's, where's Miss Caswell? Oh, hello, Bill. Hello, Lloyd. Hello, Eve.
1: Hello, Miss Channing. It's all over, Margot.
8: Uh, what's all over?
1: The audition Eve read with Miss Caswell.
8: Eve? Oh, how enchanting, however, did you get the idea of letting Eve read?
1: Well, she's your understudy.
8: Eve? My understudy? I had no idea.
4: Why, well, I thought you knew she was put on over a week ago.
8: Miss Channing, I can't tell you
9: how glad I am that you arrived so late. Really, Eve? Why? If you've been here to begin with, I never would have dared to read at all. I, I couldn't have. What
8: a pity all that fire and music going to waste.
1: What fire and music?
8: You wouldn't understand. I was dreadful, Miss Channing. Believe me. Oh, I'm sure you underestimate yourself, Eve. You always
1: do. Oh, you'd have been proud of her, Margot.
4: Eve was a revelation.
8: Ah, do to you too, Lloyd.
4: What do you mean by that?
8: I mean, among other things, it must have been a, a revelation to have a 24-year-old character played by a 24-year-old actress. Also, it must have seemed so so new and fresh to you, so, so exciting to have your lines read just as you wrote
1: them. Addison. You've seen Addison.
8: So full of meaning, fire, and music.
1: You've been talking to that... Fishwife Addison DeWitt.
8: In this case, apparently as trustworthy as the world almanac.
4: You knew when you came in that the audition was over, that Eve was your understudy, playing that childish little game of cats and mouse. Not mouse.
8: Never mouse. If anything, right.
4: This genius of yours for making a barroom brawl out of a perfectly innocent misunderstanding at most.
8: Perfectly innocent men have been hanged for less. I'm lied to, attacked behind my back, accused of reading your silly dialogue inaccurately, as if it was a
4: holy gospel. I never said it was. When you
8: listen as if someone else had written your play, whom do you have in mind? Arthur Miller, Sherwood, Beaumont, and Fletcher? What
4: makes you think either Miller or Sherwood would stand for the nonsense I take from you? You'd better stick to Beaumont and Fletcher. They've been dead for 300 years.
8: All playwrights should be dead for 300 years. That
4: would solve none of their problems, because actresses never die. The stars never die and never change. Oh, you may change this
8: star any time you want. For a new and fresh and exciting one, fully equipped with fire and music, any time you want, starting with tonight's performance. I
4: shall never understand the weird process by which a body with a voice fancies itself as a mind. Just when exactly does an actress decide they're her words she's saying and her thoughts she's expressing? Usually
8: at the point when she has to rewrite and rethink them to keep the audience from leaving the
4: theater? It's about time the piano realized it has not written the concerto.
8: And you, I take it, Bill, are the Paderewski who plays his concerto on me, the piano. Where is Princess Fire and Music? Who? The kid, Junior.
1: Gone?
8: Uh, Oh, I must have frightened her away.
1: I wouldn't be surprised. Sometimes you frighten me.
8: I'm nothing but a a body with a voice. No mind.
1: What a body. What a voice. Ah. Now, calm down. The gong rang. The fight's over. I will
8: not calm down.
1: No, don't calm down. And I
8: will not be plotted against. Here we go. Such nonsense. What do you all take me for? Little Nell from the country. She's been my understudy for over a week. Arrived here for an audition when everyone knows I will be here and gives a performance. Out of nowhere gives a performance.
1: You've been all through that with Lloyd.
8: Full of fire and music and whatnot. Carefully rehearsed, I have no doubt. Full of those bills, Samson touches?
1: I am sick and tired of these paranoiac outbursts. I didn't even know Eve Harrington was your understudy until half past two this afternoon.
8: Tell that to Dr. Freud along with the rest of it.
1: No, I'll tell it to you. For the last time, I'll tell it to you. I love you. You're a beautiful and an intelligent woman.
8: A body with a voice.
1: And a great actress. You have every reason for happiness.
8: Except happiness.
1: Every reason. But due to some uncontrollable, unconscious drive, you permit the slightest action of a kid like... A kid? Of a kid like Eve to turn you into an hysterical, screaming heart. Now, once and for all, stop it.
8: Well, it's... It's obvious you're not a woman.
1: I've been aware of that for some time.
8: Well, I am.
1: I'll say. Now, come on, Margot. Let's get out of here. I'll buy you a drink.
8: I'll admit I may have seen better days. But I'm still not to be had for the price of a cocktail like a salted peanut.
1: <laughs> Margot, let's make
8: peace. Terms are too high. Unconditional surrender.
1: Just being happy? Just stopping all this nonsense about Eve? And Eve and me?
8: Oh, it's not nonsense. I wish it were.
1: I said before it was going to be my last try, and I meant it. I, I can't think of anything else to do. But I wish I could. Goodbye, Margot.
8: Phil, where are you going to find Eve?
1: That suddenly makes the whole thing
2: believable. Phil, oh no. <laughs> <laughs>
9: I don't understand a word you're saying. Not only
4: was Margot two hours late, but then that childish, heavy handed routine about not knowing Eve was her understudy.
9: Well, it's just possible that Margot didn't know. Of
4: course she knew. Addison told her. Karen, somebody's got to stop Margot. Now, who's going to do it? Who's going to give her that boot in the rear she needs and deserves? <sighs> it's going to be a very cozy
9: weekend, dear.
4: What weekend?
9: We're driving out to the country tomorrow night, Margot, you and I.
4: Well, we've spent weekends before with nobody talking. Just be sure to lock up all the blunt instruments.
8: Lloyd
9: Wright, of course, that booth Margot had coming to her. Heaven knows she deserved it. But how? How to do it? And then it came to me, my big idea. After all, it it would be nothing more than a perfectly harmless joke, which Margot herself would be the first to enjoy, and no reason at all why she herself shouldn't be told about it in time. My big idea required a telephone call. Uh, hello? Uh, Will you please call Miss Harrington to the phone? Yes, Miss Eve Harrington.
5: Before we continue with Act Two of All About Eve, I'd like to introduce a special guest, Miss Jean Mayberry the charming daughter of a friend of mine, the casting director at 20th Century Fox. I understand, Jean, that your career started with ice skating.
7: That's right, Mr. Keeley. I joined an ice show troupe and traveled all over, even to Cuba.
5: Well, a generation ago, ice skating in Cuba would have been as fantastic as, well, as an invasion from another planet.
7: But today, such a possibility isn't so fantastic. 20th Century Fox has even made a picture about it.
5: Yes, the day the Earth stood still. A very provocative picture. Michael Rennie, as a man from another planet, arrives to warn the Earth that they must maintain peace or be destroyed.
7: I was fascinated by the huge flying disc that carries him to Earth.
5: And Patricia Neal was fascinated by Michael. And both Michael and you, Marlowe found uh, her fascinating, too.
7: Well, no wonder. She did look so excitingly lovely in the simple wardrobe she wears in the day the Earth stood still. Those magic white touches on her dress and white blouse are just as smart as can be.
1: You know, while she was making the picture, they were luxed again and again. New lux with color freshener just works miracles, keeping them looking white as new, luxing after luxing. Amazing new lux, you know, keeps white silks and rayons whiter than ever before. And white cottons, from piquets to organdies, look dazzlingly white without bleaching. Colors stay unbelievably vivid and new-looking.
7: Oh, I'm a lux fan from way back, Mr. Kennedy. I was born and raised in Hollywood. So I know how the screen stars love Lux. Patricia Neal says new Lux is even better than ever.
1: Thank you, Jean Mayberry. We are delighted to have you tonight. Women all over the country are excited about wonderful new Lux. Now they're using it for nicer everyday washables, as well as their loveliest dresses and blouses. It's so safe. The perfect way to give all washables that nicest new Lux look. We pause now for station identification. This is the CBS radio network.
5: The curtain rises on act three of All About Eve, starring Betty Davis as Margot and Baxter as Eve... Reginald Gardner as Addison DeWitt, and Gary Merrill as Bill.
2: That was a
9: cold weekend we spent in the country. Somehow we staggered through. Late Monday afternoon, my big idea went into operation. Its purpose was to make Margot miss her performance so that Eve would have to take her place. All I did was drain the gas tank of the car. My timing was perfect. Margot missed her train, and we sat there on the highway, the two of us, while Lloyd, cursing softly, went down the road in search of gasoline. Cigarette, Karen. Oh, uh, no, no, thanks,
8: dear. I haven't been very pleasant this weekend. Well, we've all been a little tense lately. More than any two people I know, I don't want you and Lloyd to be angry with me. No, how could we? You're... Margot, And what is that? Besides something spelled out in light bulbs, I mean. Besides something called a temperament which consists mostly of swooping about on a broomstick and screaming at the top of my voice. Infants behave the way I do, you know. They would get drunk if they knew how. When they can't hear what they want. When they feel unwanted or insecure or unloved. What about Bill? He's in love with you. More than anything in this world, I love Bill. And I want him to love me, but me, not Margot Channing. And if I can't tell him apart, how can he? And Karen about Eve, I've... Oh, I've acted pretty disgracefully toward her, too. <sighs> well... I... At best, let's say, I've been oversensitive to... Well, to the fact that she's so young, so feminine, and, and so helpless to so many things
7: I want to be for Bill.
8: Margot, I...
9: I want you to know how sorry I am about this. About what? Getting
8: stuck like this. I, I can't tell you how sorry I am. Oh, don't give it a thought, Karen. One of Destiny's married pranks. After all, you didn't personally drain the gasoline tank. What? I said you didn't personally drain the gasoline tank.
2: <laughs> uh, uh, oh. <laughs>
0: This is Addison DeWitt. It is now my turn to tell you all about Eve. That night, with Margot Channing marooned in the country, Eve Harrington took her place on the stage. Her performance was magnificent, but one thing puzzled me. Why was I invited to that particular performance, a performance about which the management knew nothing until curtain time when Margot failed to appear. Afterwards, I went backstage. Her dressing room door was closed, but I overheard a rather interesting
1: conversation. Eve and Bill Sampson. You can be very proud of yourself, Eve. That was a wonderful job you did tonight. I'll admit I had my doubts. You shouldn't but... have had any doubts. You're right. With work and patience, you'll be a good actress, if that's what you want to be.
9: Is that what you want me to be?
1: Well, I'm talking about you and what you want. So am I. Well, what have I got to do with it? Everything. The names I've been called, but never Svengali. Good luck, Eve.
9: Don't go, Bill. Don't run away.
1: From what would I be running?
9: You're always after the truth on stage. What about all? I'm for it. Then face it. Ever since that first night here in this theater.
1: When I told you whatever young actress should know? When
9: you told me that whatever I became, it would be because of you.
1: Your makeup's a little heavy. And for you. You're quite a girl. You think? I'm in love with Margot. Hadn't you heard? I hear all kinds of things. I'm only human, rumors to the contrary, and I'm as curious as the next man.
9: Find out. One
1: thing what I go after, I want to go after. I don't want it to come after me. Just score it as an incomplete forward pass. I waited a reasonable length of time, and then I, too,
0: had a chat with Eve. I wanted to write a column about her. There were many questions to ask.
9: So kind of you to stop by, Mr. DeWitt. I'm so glad you like me tonight. But it's still Miss Channing's performance. I'm just the carbon copy you read when you can't find the original.
0: I've heard much about your modesty, Miss Harrington, but I find it just as false not to blow your horn at all as to blow it too loudly.
9: One pretty good performance by an understudy. It'll be forgotten tomorrow. It needn't be. Why not? I'm a nobody.
0: I am somebody. You certainly are. After you change, if you're not busy, we can have supper.
9: I'd love to. Or should I pretend I'm busy? Well,
0: let's have a minimum of pretending. I shall want to do a column about you.
9: I'm not even enough for a paragraph.
0: I've heard your story, but only in bits. Your home in Wisconsin, your tragic marriage, your fanatical attachment to Margot. It uh, started in San Francisco, didn't it?
9: Yes. Yes, that's right. Uh,
0: What theater in San Francisco was that, Eve? Uh, Was it uh, the Schubert?
9: Yes, the Schubert.
0: fine old theater, the Schubert, full of dignity and traditions.
9: Really, if I'm ever going to change...
0: I'll only be a moment, Mr. DeWitt. Where would you like to go, Eve? We must make this a special night. You take charge. Thank you. I believe I will.
8: Stop saying you can't believe it, Karen. It's right here in print, isn't it? By Edison DeWitt. Listen to this. Miss Harrington had much to tell about the lamentable practice of permitting mature actresses to play roles requiring a youth and vigor of which they retain but a dim memory. I still can't believe that Eve would say... About the understandable reluctance on the part of our entrenched first ladies of the stage to encourage younger actresses. About Miss Harrington's own long unsupported struggle for the opportunity. Eve couldn't have said anything like that. What gets me is how all the papers in town just happened to catch that particular performance last night. The little witch must have sent out Indian runners. Well, she won't get away with it. Nor will Addison DeWitt and his, his poison pen. And don't try to tell me I...
1: Ca- I came as soon as I read that piece of film.
9: Bill, oh, thank goodness.
1: Margo, Margo, I ran all the way. Oh, darling. Bill's here, baby. Everything's all right now.
9: I uh,
1: I guess at this point you and Margo might rather be alone. Yeah, do you mind, Karen? Margo, Margo, baby... Thanks, Karen. We'll phone you later.
0: That night, Eve and I were having a bit of supper in the cub room, and they walked in. Margot, Bill, Lloyd, and Karen.
2: They seemed
1: unusually happy and gay. Marie,
2: for
1: our big news is simply this. Margo and I are going to get married.
8: Glory, hallelujah.
9: Margo, when? When are you going to do it?
1: We meet at City Hall tomorrow morning at 10. City Hall? That's for prize fighters and reporters. It's only for the license. There's a three day wait for blood tests.
8: I'll marry you if it turns out you have no blood at all. (laughs) What are you going to wear? Oh, something simple. A, a fur coat over a nightgown.
1: <laughs> the point is, we we want you two beside us as our nearest and dearest friend.
4: Excuse me. Mrs. Richard. Oh, yes, maiden. This notice for
1: you. Miss
8: Harrington sent her. Miss Harrington? Margot, here, you read it. Please forgive me for butting in, but it's most important that I speak with you. Please, and that's underlined. Meet me in the ladies' room. E. I
1: I understand she's now the understudy in there. <laughs> After all, maybe... Maybe he just wants to apologize. Go on, Karen, find out.
8: During all the years of our friendship, Karen, I have never let you go into the ladies' room alone. Now I must. I am busting to find out what's going on in that feverish little brain waiting in there.
2: Well, all right. All right. <laughs>
9: Thank you for coming, Karen. I just had to speak to you. It's about Mr. DeWitt's column. Are you going to tell me you didn't really say any of those things? All I know is that I tried to answer Mr. DeWitt's questions. You try to say what you mean, but somehow the words change. They become his words. And suddenly you're not saying what you mean, but what he means. I just wanted you to know the responsibility is mine. And the disgrace. No, no, let's not get over dramatic. You really have a low opinion of me, haven't you? You'll be glad to know I've been told off in no uncertain terms all over town. Oh, now Eve, don't cry. After all, you still have a powerful friend in Addison DeWitt. He's not my friend. You were my friend. I'll never get over this. Never. Oh, yes you will. You're very young and very talented. And believe it or not, if there's anything I can do, there is something? Yes. I think I know something most important you can do. Lloyd's new play. You want me to tell Lloyd, I think you should play the lead. If you told him to, he'd give me the part. He said he would. Don't you know that part was written for Margot? It might have been 15 years ago. It's my part now. You've got to tell Lloyd it's for me. I don't think anything in the world would make me say that. Addison wants me to play it over my dead body. That won't be necessary, Karen. Eve, Addison knows how Margot happened to miss that performance last night. And how I happened to know she'd miss it in time to call him and notify every paper in town. Oh. You better sit down, Karen. You look a bit wobbly. If I play Cora, Addison will never tell what happened in or out of print. A simple exchange of favors... I'm so happy I can do something for you at long last. Your friendship with Margaret, Your deep, close friendship. What would happen to it, do you think, if she knew the cheap trick you'd played on her for my benefit? No. It'd be so much easier for everyone concerned if I were to play Cora. So much better theater, too. You'd do all that just for a part in a play I'd do much more for a part that good. Excuse me, Karen. Addison's waiting for
0: me. Care to look at a menu, Eve? But you can't be very hungry after all that humble pie.
9: Nothing of the kind, Addison. Karen and I had a nice talk.
0: Including a casual reference to the part of Cora and your hopes of playing it?
9: I discussed it very openly.
0: And Karen mentioned, of course, that Margot expects to play the part.
9: Oddly enough, she didn't say a word about Margot.
0: You know, Eve, sometimes I think you keep things from me. I don't think that's funny. It wasn't meant to be.
9: I confide in you and rely on you more than anyone I've ever known. To say a thing like that now, without any reason, when I need you more than ever.
0: I hope you mean what you say. I intend to hold you to it. We have a great deal in common, it seems to me.
1: You know what I'm saying? That's
8: right. Well, what happened, Karen? Oh, nothing much. She apologized. With tears. With tears. Oh, very classy stuff. Lots of techniques. Groom. Hmm? May I have a wedding present?
1: What would you like? Texas?
8: I want everybody to shut up about Eve. Just shut up about Eve. That's all I want. Never have I been so happy. So happy and forgiving. I forgive Eve. Do you know why I forgive Eve? She left good behind The four of us here together. It's Eve's fault. I forgive her. And Bill, especially Bill. She did that, too.
1: You know, she probably means well, after all.
8: She's a louse.
1: Never, never try to outguess Margot.
8: Correct. Which brings me to you, Lloyd. Lloyd, I I don't want to play Cora. You... What? Now, now, wait a minute, Karen. You've always been so touchy about his plays. It isn't the part. It's a great part. But not for me anymore. Not for a four square, upright, downright, forthright married lady.
4: What's your being married got to do with it?
8: Oh, it means I've finally got a life to live. I don't have to play parts I'm too old for anymore. Just because I've got nothing to do with my night. Oh, Lloyd, please understand. Please.
2: <laughs>
1: What's so funny? Oh, nothing.
2: Nothing? Everything's so funny. Everything.
0: In due time, they were wed, Margot and Bill. Also, in due time, rehearsals started for the new play, starring Eve Harrington. Finally, the play was ready for its out of town opening in New Haven. That afternoon, I saw Eve at her hotel. Isn't it
9: strange, Addison? I thought I'd be panic-stricken. You said I can't wait for tonight to come. To come and go.
0: Are you sure of tonight? Aren't you? Frankly, yes. It'll bring
9: me everything I've ever wanted. The end of an old road and the beginning of a new one.
0: All paved with diamonds and gold?
9: You know me better than that.
0: Well, paved with what, then?
9: Stars. What time is it? Uh,
0: Almost four. Oh,
9: good. Plenty of time for a nice long nap.
0: You could sleep now, couldn't you? Why not? The mark of a true killer. Sleep tight, rest easy, and come out fighting. Why did you call
9: me a killer? Oh,
0: did I say killer? I meant champion. I get my boxing terms mixed.
9: Oh, by the way, there'll be a party here tonight. You'll come, won't you? We're having everyone up after the performance. We are? Lloyd and I.
0: I find it odd that Karen isn't here for the opening, don't you? She's always been so fanatically devoted to Lloyd.
9: Addison, a few moments ago, I said this would be a night to remember... I didn't mean just the theater. What else? Lloyd. He's going to leave, Karen. We're going to be married.
0: So that's it. Still just the theater, after all.
9: It's nothing of the kind. Lloyd loves me.
0: I know nothing of Lloyd and his loves. I leave those to Louisa May Alcott. But I do know you.
9: I'm in love with Lloyd. Oh, Addison, won't it be just perfect? There's no telling how far we can go. You'll write great plays for me. I'll make some great. You're the only one I've told. The only one who knows except Lloyd and me. And Karen? She doesn't know.
0: She knows enough not to be here. But not all
9: of it. Not that Lloyd and
0: I are going to be married. Well, say something. Anything. Congratulations. Goal. Good work, Eve. What do you take me for? Is it possible, even conceivable, that you've confused me with that gang of backward children you've played tricks on? That you have the same contempt for me you have for them?
9: I'm sure you mean something by that, Edison. But I don't know what.
0: I'm nobody's fool, Eve. Least of all, yours.
9: I never intended you to be. Yes,
0: you did, and you still do.
9: I still don't know what you're getting at. You
0: know it as well as I do that Lloyd may leave Karen, but he will not leave her for you.
9: What do you mean by that?
0: You will not marry Lloyd Richards or anyone else for that matter because I will not permit it.
9: Will not permit it? That sounds medieval, something out of an old melodrama.
0: So does the history of the world for the past 20 years. Frankly, I had hoped that somehow you would have known that you would have taken it for granted that you and I... You
8: and I... (laughs)
0: now remember as long as you live never to laugh at me at anything or anybody else but never at me now to begin with your name is not eve harrington it's gertrude slizinski get out it's true that you worked in a brewery but life among the malt and hops was apparently not as dull as you pictured it in fact it got less and less dull until your boss's wife had your boss followed by detectives
9: she never proved anything
0: not a thing The five hundred dollars you were paid to get out of town brought you straight to new york didn't it? she was a liar He was a liar. There was no Eddie, no pilot. You've never been married. That was not only a lie, but it was an insult to dead heroes and to women who loved them. San Francisco has no Schubert Theater. You've never been to San Francisco. That was a stupid lie not worthy of it. I
8: had to meet Margot. I had to say something. Be somebody. Make her like
0: me. And she did like you. She helped you and trusted you. And you paid her back by trying to take Bill away.
8: That's not true.
0: After you failed with Bill, you used my name and my column to blackmail Karen into getting to the part no. of Cora. And you lied to no. me about it. No, no, Sweetie, no. Sweetie, I had lunch with Karen not three hours ago. As always with women, she told me more than she'd learned. That I should want you at all it suddenly strikes me as the height of improbability. But that in itself is probably the reason... You're an improbable person, Eve, and so am I. We have that in common. Also, an inability to love, insatiable ambition, and talent. We deserve each other. Are you listening to me?
9: Yes, Addison. And you
0: realize and you agree how completely you belong to me? Yes, that is. Then take your nap, and good luck for tonight. I won't go on tonight. I couldn't. Not possibly. I couldn't go on. You'll give the performance of your life.
6: I won't, I
2: can't.
0: But of course she did go on. And ever since, her triumph has endured. And that is why she's here tonight, here at the Sarah Siddons Society. Eve is now on the dais, so gracious and modest, telling the distinguished guests that the award belongs not to her, but to those who made it possible. Margot and Karen, Bill and Lloyd. Let's listen in
9: without their kindness and friendship and faith and confidence in me, this night could never have been. How can I ever repay them? Although, although I'm going to Hollywood next week, do not think for a moment that I am leaving you. My heart is here in the theater. I'll be back to claim it. And soon, that is, if you want me back. Bravo.
8: Congratulations, Eve. Thank you, Karen. Nice speech, Eve. Thank you, Margot. I wouldn't worry too much about your heart, Eve. That little statue they gave you, you can always put it where your heart ought to be. Oh, Mr. DeWitt.
0: Why, Miss Caswell, how nice to see you again.
8: Isn't she wonderful, Mr. DeWitt?
0: There's no one like Eve, Miss Caswell. No one in the world. Tell me, Miss Caswell, do you want someday to have an award like that of your own?
8: Oh, more than anything.
0: Then you must ask Eve Harrington how to get one. Miss Harrington knows all
2: about it.
1: We hope you enjoyed our show as much as our stars enjoyed doing it for you. In just a moment, Mr. Keeley will return to the footlights with him and give you a preview of next week's show. Of course, you know what a reputation screen stars have for beautiful clothes. Well, you can give your washables the very same care the stars insist on for their own gorgeous things. It's New Lux with Color Freshener, the most wonderful improvement ever made in a wonderful product. Don't take my word for it. Try it yourself, and you'll agree you've never seen anything like the magic it works on colors. It actually keeps white things white as new, makes colors sparkle like jewels, and keeps your prints sharp and brilliantly clear. No other soap... No other type of suds is safer for your nice things. Your washable silks, rayons, nylons, and fine cottons. Once you've tried New Lux with Color Freshener, you'll never again put up with anything else. Get a big box of New Lux with Color Freshener tomorrow.
5: Use it for all your washables. You'll be thrilled with their nicest new Lux look. Now, here's Mr. Keeley with our stars. And here they are an outstanding cast to take a bow for outstanding performances, Betty Davis, Ann Baxter, Reginald Gardner, and Gary Merrill. <laughs> and how very nice to have you back again. Bill, you know how I
9: love appearing on the Lux Radio Theater? That's one way to get some more Lux Flakes, Ann. <laughs> Betty,
8: when you have a new baby, you need get all the Lux you can get. Watch this girl, remember, as Eve. She'll want all our Lux Flakes in a minute.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Now, girls, the play is over, and there's plenty in the wings for all. We thank you, Bill. Lux Flakes really are a must
9: in our house.
1: All this talk of a new baby, why didn't anyone ask me to be a godfather? Do you think you're quite the type? After listening to you for the last hour, I thought you relished little children as part of your diet.
2: (laughs) Well, don't be
0: silly, darling. I just finished a picture of 20th Century Fox... Darling Clifton Webb, called Elopement, in which I play a godfather. Now I'm at RKO in Androcles and the Lion.
8: casting again.
0: I do not play the Lion,
1: nor do I eat anyone. <laughs> now let me tell you about my latest picture at 20th Century Fox, Decision Before Dawn, starring Richard Basehart.
9: Do you play Decision or Dawn?
1: Oh. <laughs> as a matter of fact, I play a colonel in the army. But as, as it's all about spies and
5: traitors, I refuse to reveal any more.
8: Well, then perhaps Bill will reveal next Monday's show for
5: us. Yes, next week we'll have an exciting story of mystery and intrigue. It's Universal International's thrilling drama, Borderline. And starring will be Stephen McNally, Claire Trevor, and John Hodiak. That'll be good listening, Bill. Good night. Good night, Bill. Good night.
2: Bill. Right. Good night. <laughs> and we have a we we'll a Academy Award winner tonight.